This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, September 21st. Coming up, people incarcerated in Kansas prisons say the health care is lacking and sometimes life threatening. They haven't done a good job because, for one, she put me on a medication that I'm allergic to not once but twice. Plus, six of the Supreme Court justices in Kansas are up for re-election. How you can find out more about who's on the ballot. But first, some headlines. Republican nominee for Kansas Governor Derek Schmidt proposed new school safety policies today during a stop in Wichita. Daniel Cottle reports. If elected, Schmidt says he hopes to increase funding for school resource officers, or SROs, at both middle and high schools in the state. Proponents of more SROs say they make schools safer, but critics say they reinforce the school-to-prison pipeline, especially for students of color. Schmidt says the state should also double the annual funding for its school safety grant program from $5 million to $10 million. Schmidt's proposals come after a school resource officer at Olathe East High School was shot by a student and returned fire in the spring. Wichita schools have also had multiple safety problems since students returned in August, including at least five confiscated firearms. A federal database shows the University of Kansas has hundreds of Native American remains and cultural objects in its possession. Officials are pledging to return the artifacts to tribal nations. Suzanne Perez of the Kansas News Service reports. Congress passed a law more than 30 years ago that requires colleges and museums to return Native American artifacts to tribal nations. The Lawrence Times reports that a federal database shows KU has human remains from at least 380 people and more than 550 funeral objects still in its collections. Most are stored in a building on campus that houses KU's Indigenous Studies program. A statement from KU officials says the university made some efforts in the past to repatriate the items, but they never finished. Officials say the university is now working with members of the Native American community and outside consultants to return the remains and other objects. Hartville, Missouri has been named the new U.S. Center of Population by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. KCUR's Zach Perez has more. Hartville, a town of less than 600 residents, is the fifth Missouri city to receive the title, preceded by Plato, Missouri in 2010. The center's new location, which moved about 23 miles to the southwest, highlights the gradual trend of population growth in southern and western states. According to the 2020 census, while nearly every state saw an increase in its population, western states like Idaho and Utah experienced the biggest increases. Both states exceeded a 17% growth in population. Missouri and Kansas both saw an increase of about 3%. Only three states, Illinois, Mississippi, and West Virginia, experienced a loss in population. A majority vote from the Kansas Supreme Court preserved the right to an abortion in the state in 2019. Now six out of seven justices on the court are up for re-election. Steve Lieben is a law professor at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and Carol Beyer is a former Kansas Supreme Court justice. They told KCUR's Steve Kraske how voters can research judges who are up for retention and why judges can't take politics into consideration when making decisions on cases. Here's part of their conversation edited for time. Justice Beyer, I think a lot of people, you know, myself included, expected a strong push by the anti-abortion crowd to oust the two justices who signed off on that 2019 ruling that guaranteed a right to an abortion in the state. But that doesn't appear to be happening, at least up to this point. How surprised are you? Well, I would say I'm not surprised because this is a sort of a pattern that we see often when people are opposing people in retention elections. It has been a frequent 
occurrence in other states and even here in 2014 when people had decided to oppose certain of the justices that they didn't really reveal their hand until two, three weeks um, outside the election. So you think the effort could be coming at some point in the weeks to come? still think it could be coming, and in fact, it's been uh, talked about pretty openly by folks who intend to pursue it. Hmm. Judge Lieben, what do you think? How surprised have you been? I agree with Carol. Um, it, what we've seen in the past, in, in 2014, which is the closest parallel, there was a governor election going on. Sam Brownback was running for re-election, and he was campaigning around the state about activist judges. And then about three weeks before the election, a group actually surfaced with funding to oppose the two justices who were on the ballot that year, um, Eric Rosen and Lee Johnson. And the retention uh, percentage went down to 53% in that election. Um, yeah. re recently, Sam Brownback made a speech that was reported by the Wichita Eagle, and um, they noted that central to his strategy is unseating a majority of the Supreme Court justices. And he hmm. was apparently open about that in this call that was monitored by the Wichita Eagle. So I, I think there's activity out there, but it's not highly visible at this point. And, and like Judge Beyer, you're saying you might see it in the weeks to come here. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, Judge Lieben, this idea that judges have to face the scrutiny of voters will strike some people. You know, it's, it's contrary to the idea of an independent judiciary. If judges are constantly looking over their shoulders at how voters perceive them, doesn't that undermine the independence of any judge? Sure. What's happened, though, in the United States, in virtually every state, there is some check that the voters can have on their judiciary. Almost no state has gone with the pure federal model where you have lifetime appointment and are never there, never checked. What Kansas has done is try to come up with a compromise, actually very similar to what Missouri came up with for the Missouri plan right. of selecting statewide appellate judges in a way that would, on the front end, maximize focus on qualifications, but on the back end, leave the ability for the voters to be heard if the court truly went in some really odd direction or individual justices truly turned out not to be qualified. Yeah. To what extent, uh, uh, Justice Byer, do you think that uh, your independence is compromised as a result of the fact that you have to go ahead and face voters every few years? Not at all. Really? Yeah. Um, I think that good judges who understand their position and their oath uh, know that when they face a decision on a case, that they're permitted to consider three things only. The issues as framed by the parties and their counsel, the facts as demonstrated by admissible evidence in the lower court proceedings, and finally, the applicable rule of law. And what they don't consider includes what constituents may think, what voters may do, but what even the in this popular climate, opinion is. Even in this intensely political climate that we're experiencing across the country right now? I absolutely believe that. Huh. And I've watched them perform that way for over 20 years. I can't help but wonder uh, if the abortion decision of 2019, you know, you surely knew that ruling would be a bombshell decision in a state like Kansas, even perhaps the most prominent ruling in a decade or more. Did the court struggle with that decision, or did the consensus form fairly quickly? I think we struggled with it, but no more than we do with many. That's just the nature of the beast. Uh, everyone who arrives at the court has, as my colleague has mentioned, are heavily vetted and highly qualified and certainly capable of arriving at sensible, logical reasoning on any side of a case, as yeah. any good lawyer can do. So our conferences were often lively and sometimes loud, 
but that was not limited to the cases that ended up being controversial for the public. Hmm. Professor Lieben, what's the point of retention elections when it comes to our judges? Why do we do it? Well, it's part of a compromise. Um, that, As you were saying. That allows some citizen input. And the merit selection system, it's designed to make that input focus mostly on qualifications. And I think, as compromises, it has pluses and minuses, but it does a good job of trying to insulate courts, uh, choose based on qualifications on the front end, and keep politics as much out of it as possible. You know, Justice Byer, the other thing that strikes me as difficult about these retention elections is that the judges themselves can't campaign on their own behalves. What about that part of this, and how awkward does that make it for, for you guys who are up for election? You're on the ballot. It is tough because uh, judges and justices in Kansas can't really campaign in any conventionally recognizable way. Um, so they're fairly limited to um, directing people to their opinions, which certainly any Kansan or anyone else who's interested can go to the kscourts.org website anytime and read any decision or all decisions if they're interested from a particular judge or justice. Mm -hmm. It's the official Kansas Judicial Branch website that has no color from any politics or point of view at all. I encourage them when they're particularly interested in a in a matter or something that's hit the news to go and actually take a look. And then we are doing our best to um, not only have the justices appear in public and let people get to know them a little bit as fellow human beings um, and public servants, but also those of us who are supporting them are getting out into the public and visiting about their qualifications and their performance. That was KCUR's Steve Kraske speaking with former Kansas Supreme Court Justice Carol Byer and UMKC law professor Steve Liebin. You can hear their entire conversation from up to date at kcur.org. Kansas prisons have struggled to offer quality medical care in recent years. The state says it's satisfied with a new health contractor, but inmates say the medical care is so poor it threatens their health. Blaze Mesa of the Kansas News Service reports. Inmates in Kansas prisons say medical staff will let you die before they offer help. They say they miss regular checkups, their medications are delayed, and surgeries to relieve pain are vetoed by prison officials. The Kansas Department of Corrections says its private health care contractor offers quality medical care and the number of unofficial complaints has steadily decreased. But I talked to current and former inmates who say the entire health system has failed them. She put me on a medication that I'm allergic to not once but twice. They say, oh, well, you know, you just have to live with it. The people that they hire, I can't even use the word subpar. They just don't help people enough. One of those inmates was Terry Bowen. He has a handful of medical issues, like a grapefruit-sized hernia in his chest that he says he can't convince prison officials to okay surgery for. And they won't do nothing about that. I can't even roll over in bed at night. Even worse, he had open-heart surgery, and the wires used to tie his ribs together broke. Now they're pointing at his heart. He had to complain for over a year for the prison to even consider surgery. And there's times when they feel like somebody's stabbing an ice pick in me, and I damn near drops my knee. Bowen takes multiple over-the-counter Tylenol a day to deal with the pain. The pills used to be free, but now the prison is making him pay for it, though his wages are nowhere near enough to afford it. He has since run out of medication. Inmate Tiffany Trotter says she received care so poor she would like to go to another doctor, but she's not been able to do so 
something the state disputes. You gotta be overdosing or something to go to the hospital, and that's not okay to me. We should be able to have second opinions. Trotter has a nagging ear issue that prison doctors just cannot solve. She also has diabetes, but says she has never seen someone who specializes in that area of medical care. Audits of state contractor Centurion of Kansas show it was fined almost 5,000 times for compliance violations. At Centene, we believe everyone deserves access to affordable, high-quality health care. Centene is the parent company of Centurion. In this company video, it boasts about its innovative approach to healthcare. The company declined repeated requests for interviews. The company also declined open records requests, even though its contract with Kansas says it is subject to open records law. The company again declined to provide the records after reporters pointed this out. The Department of Corrections also declined in-person interviews, but it said over email that Centurion is increasing access to care. It says the company has filled over 124,000 prescriptions, made more than 11,000 off-site referrals for care, and over 17,000 dental appointments. We are committed to removing barriers that prevent individuals from receiving the care they deserve. The state's previous prison medical provider was Corizon. Its contract was not renewed after the company struggled to manage the pandemic. Centurion took over in 2020 and, the state says, began undoing past mistakes. But prisoners say it is more of the same. Mark Stein is an assistant professor for health systems at the University of Washington. He knows a lot about prison medical care and says the issues in Kansas are common nationwide. Even if people are not sympathetic to inmates, he says it can be in your best interest to invest in prison medical care. People who are in prison will come out, they'll come into the community, and if, we, if they come back into the community healthier, with their mental health condition under control, they will be better citizens. Centurion's contract can be renewed for two additional years, but that decision is not in the near future. Either way, state officials say they are happy with Centurion's work and see no reason to change providers at this time. This story was a collaboration of the Topeka Capital Journal and the Kansas News Service. I am Blaze Mesa in Topeka. The Kansas News Service is a collaboration of KCUR, KMUW, Kansas Public Radio, and High Plains Public Radio. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Ujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Blaze's story on prison health care in Kansas, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Steve Kraske. You just heard a portion of a conversation produced on KCUR's Up to Date, our daily talk show. If you'd like to hear this conversation in full, check out the Up to Date podcast found on your favorite podcast app.